Amen. Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read. I'm going to start in verse 5. I'm going to read a lot of Bible uh, here this morning. So, so hang in there with me. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. I'm reading from the NIV. It says this. It says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. This is a really important couple of verses here, talking about their righteousness before God, their standing before God, and then the circumstance that's happening in their life, the situation that they're dealing with in their life. I want you to understand something today, that just because everything isn't right in your life doesn't mean you're not right with God. And I came today to encourage somebody that things can be, all hell can be breaking loose in your life and you still be in right connection with the Lord today. Listen, if you have given Jesus your life, if you've confessed him as Lord, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are right with God on your good days and on your bad days. You are right with God. So don't you ever believe for one moment that what's happening in your life is because you're not right with God. That should encourage somebody today because you've thought something was between you and God. No, there's nothing between you and God. He sees you as righteous today, but you can even be his friend. You can be his friend. You can be like Lazarus, who was a dear friend of Jesus. Proximity with Jesus doesn't mean bad things are going to happen to you and you're not going to go through difficulties. It just means that you serve the God that no matter if you are dead and in a tomb, he can speak life to you. Nothing is too far gone. Nobody in this room is too old for God to move in your life. Can somebody in the room say amen? Amen. Verse 8 says, Once Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for burning incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. You should never send him to Vegas for the weekend. That wouldn't be smart. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Come on, he's talking about us. We're in this room as a result of this moment. And then the Bible says, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am old, man, and my wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true. At their appointed time. Come on, is there anybody today in the room who would say, God, thank you that you have an appointed time 
that every word you've spoken over my life, about my life, and to my life, it will come to pass. Come on, don't grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap if you do not faint. Listen, if you don't quit, you win. Is there anybody in the room today committed to the end? I'm committed to the end. Every word, everything that God has declared for my life, he will do it. And I'm thankful for that. It has an appointed time. Then meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. He was having old school church in the temple. And the Bible says when he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home after this. His wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. And these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace from among the people. Wow. God, we're thankful for your word today. We're asking over these next few moments that you would speak clearly to us. We didn't come in this room today to leave the same way we came in. We came today to hear a word from you that will change our lives forever. And we thank you that you are here and you are speaking in Jesus name. We pray and everybody shouted. Amen. The story is so powerful and there's so many aspects to this story. One of them is the fact that Gabriel doesn't just come to Zechariah and declare their miraculous birth for him and Elizabeth. He also comes a few verses later and declares to Mary that she's going to carry Jesus the same angel, Gabriel. And this story is full of so much prediction, so many things that would happen. It's encouraging to me but it, because it shows me a God who doesn't come after the fact and explain stuff. Shows me a God who knows what's going to happen because he is in control of what's going to happen. He's not, he's not coming along afterwards like, wow, that was a mess. Sorry about that. I'll try, to, I'll try to fix that. No, God predicts these births because God is in control of these births in the same way that God knows what's going on in your life right now. He is in control of your life right now. I know the world is crazy, but we still serve a God who is seated high above it all, who is still on his throne. Come on, somebody. He has not left the heavens. He has not left his throne. He is still in charge. He is still God, Lord of all, King of kings, and we're thankful for that today. So these births, even though they were unusual, the angel comes beforehand and, and, and speaks to the accuracy of what would happen in this day. I mean, the angel is spot on and everything that would happen, happens. So these births are not unusual coincidences that are found by God and then used by God. These births are ordained and ordered by his sovereign will. And Gabriel also shows up, not just in an unusual time in Zechariah's life at the end of his life when he's old in age, but Gabriel shows up at a time when Israel is in an unusual place. They've lost their identity as a nation. It's not the glory days of the kings and the prophets any longer. They have lost their identity as a nation. They're not powerful anymore. They are now a conquered people. They are an occupied people. And all they really have left at this point is their faith. And Zechariah represents that. He's a priest in the house of God. He represents that all the people, all they really had left were their, were their routines of faith, going to the temple, offering the sacrifices, burning the incense, doing the things that they knew to do. They were waiting on a move of God. This had been now at this point 400 years since anyone had heard from God. And Zechariah finds himself in the house of God once again, burning incense. 
people outside worshiping and praying, going through their routine. And I came to tell you today that if you're in a place where you don't understand what's going on and you're waiting on a move of God, just like we sang today, I will worship while I wait. When you don't understand, that's when you need to go to church. When it doesn't make sense, that's when you need to keep praying. When, when it seems like nothing is breaking through in your finances, that's when you need to keep giving because these routines that we go through, these things that we offer God in faith, these are not just normal routines like waking up and getting your coffee. Your coffee can go stale, but prayer never dies. Worship never dies. Giving never dies. Faithfulness never dies. God sees it and God heard it. And just like Zechariah's name, God remembers every, every single prayer. He remembers every single act of worship. He, rem he remembers every seed sown into his kingdom. I love this about God. So when I'm in doubt, I go to church. When it doesn't make sense, I go to church. These routines are powerful. These routines actually open up the door, open up this opportunity for Gabriel to come in. Well, well how was church today? Well, it's just another normal Sunday. Nothing is normal about worship. Nothing is normal about praise. Nothing is normal about what we're doing right here because everything we're doing right now has the opportunity and the capacity to be a moment where the angel steps in and breaks up that routine and does something in your life that's never been done before. I'm telling you today, when you lifted your hands, you might have just thought, I'm lifting my hands like any other normal Sunday, but you weren't doing something normal. You were doing something supernatural. You were opening up an opportunity for God to come and to speak and to declare something new and brand new in your life. Can somebody say amen? amen. So God hears me, he sees me from his temple. He heard my voice, the psalmist said in Psalm 18 and 6. My cry came before him into his ears. And I love this, this, this story because Zechariah tells the angel when the angel says, hey, you know, this is going to happen. And Zechariah's like, hey, you know, I'm old and she's old. I love this because it kind of it makes me think that at this point in his life, Zechariah has probably given up on this prayer that the angel says, oh, God wants to answer this prayer. He's probably not prayed this prayer in a long time. This is probably something he, he gave up on a long time ago, thinking that that day has passed. That opportunity has passed. I'm too old for that. I might as well forget about that. And I love this about God, that even when we forget what we prayed for and we give up on what we prayed for and we move off of what we prayed for, God doesn't move off of it. God never forgets it. God always hears it and God will answer it at the appointed time. So just because you gave up on something doesn't mean that God gave up on it. And I've got good news for people in this room today that gave in this miracle offering. God absolutely wants to do something at the end of this year and into next year. But don't be surprised if 20 years from now you get a miracle from heaven because of a seed you sowed in 2021. You serve a God who comes through, not just at this moment, but God will come through for the rest of your life. Is there anybody today thankful that you serve a God who hears and he answers prayer? He hears and he answers our prayer. Wow. Zechariah has been serving faithfully, going through the routine when his wife was young and barren. Now she's old and barren, still praying, still worshiping, still burning incense. 
something unusual happens. The response that Zechariah gives is not the one you think would happen if an angel showed up in your life. After hundreds of years of silence and you've been going to church all of your life and nothing like this has ever happened, an angel shows up, you would think that Zechariah would believe immediately. I mean, who sees an angel and is like, yeah, I need more proof, <laughs> right? But I think what this shows us is that some of us can get so committed to normal that, that we're not like the people who miss a move of God because they don't want a move of God. We're the people who miss a move of God because we like the routine so much. And now God is speaking and moving, but we want more proof. Could it be, could it be City Light that you are actually right now in the middle of revival? And some of you are like, well, I need more proof. What more, what more do you need? There are going to be 40 plus people baptized after this service today. What more proof do you need? So the angel goes, hey, uh, okay, um, I'm Gabriel. You're a priest. You actually should have heard of me. I showed up to Daniel a pretty long time ago. Uh, I, I would think you would know about me. He goes, okay, um, I stand in the presence of the Lord, and I brought this message directly from heaven to you. This is powerful because what this means is, is the angel didn't give this message to Zechariah because he felt bad for him in his circumstance. The angel didn't give this message to Zechariah because it was something like he just felt like he had to say. He was emotionally moved by what was going on in Zechariah's life. No, the angel gave this message because this message was directly from the throne room of heaven. And I wonder if I'm in a room today full of people who are thankful for a pastor who doesn't just kind of lick his fingers, stick, stick it up in the air and say, I wonder what's happening in the earth today. I wonder what I should share on Sunday. You know, I wonder what the news is saying. I wonder what the magazines are saying. I wonder what culture is saying. I am thankful that we serve a pastor who walks into the throne room of heaven. He gets a direct download, come on, man, from, the, from God himself. And he comes on Sunday and he preaches to us a word that is from heaven. Is there anybody thankful today? We are already in revival. People being saved, people being baptized. Come on, we're in prisons this morning. The gospel's being preached in prisons. Half of the people getting baptized today. I just, we're in it. And don't get so overwhelmed and, 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 and just kind of stuck in this mode of like, well, life is hard and things are bad and I just kind of want to go under the radar and I don't really want anything bad to happen. We've actually really gotten used to church. We like our routines, right? Like we, we know, hey, we're getting out of here in 13 minutes and 25 seconds, 24 seconds, 23 seconds. We like the routine. But every now and then, God likes to break in on the routine. Come on, somebody. And he likes to do something. I love it because Zachariah's friends are standing outside of church like, why is this guy taking so long? He's having an encounter with God. Come on, is there anybody thankful today that God is still moving and he's moving not just there and over there and in that country, but he's moving right here in Las Vegas, Nevada and City Light Church. I'm so grateful for that. But Gabriel shows up. Zechariah is so committed to normal. He's like, I want more proof. Man, and he, he gets muted. So the angel says, no, you're not going to speak anymore. <laughs> you don't get to talk anymore after this. Because 
the reality is the only thing that can really disrupt what God wants to do in your life is your mouth. That's the only thing. And we, we, we think that so much of our life has to do with what other people have done to us, how we were raised, the kind of environment we grew up in, all of this stuff that happens to us. But listen, if, if I'm a child of God, nothing is happening to me. Things are happening for me. Because if it happens to me, then God's going to take it and he's going to use it and he's going to work it together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. So I don't want to listen. If it's not faith, I don't want to speak it. I've been telling my team, like, listen, I know the world is messed up. I know there are problems, but I don't want to hear about why it can't be done anymore. I don't want to hear about what's the reason that that it won't work. This this is why, Pastor. You know, you you, you know, I, had, I know you have this dream in your heart, but have you considered? You know, and I, I just don't want to hear that because I serve a God who those types of things just don't matter to Him. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, how new you are to the faith, what your background is, what your education is. God doesn't consider all of that. And I don't want to, every time God wants to do something in my life, shut it down with my mouth. I want to be like Mary, who the angel shows up to her and she says, be it unto me according to your word. I don't know how this is going to happen. I've never even been with a man. But if you said I'm going to get pregnant, then I must, I must be going to get pregnant. Because you said it, so I believe it. That's the mode I want to live my life in. God said it, I believe it. I don't care what doubters say. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the news says. I don't care what's coming from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. All I care is God said it. I believe it and that settles it in my life. He will perform his word. It will not return to him void. He will do what he promised he would do. The angel says, bro, your wife, she's going to have a son. I've even, I've already, I've already named this situation. His name is John. Verse 13 and 14, the angel says that. He says, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You are to call him John. The angel is making a promise of, of new life. I believe that's what God wants to do. In your life, not specifically this. Some of y'all are like, I never asked God for a kid. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want this miracle. I want another miracle. I'm like, I, I get that. But God wants to, the things that God wants to do in your life, they bring, they bring new life, new vitality, new strength. And it's going to bring new legacy. New legacy. See, what I love so much about what God is doing here at City Light is this is not just the church that's going to be here long enough to see Pastor Jabin accomplish everything that he wants to do in his life. But like Brian Houston said years ago, he said, not everything God wants to do for you will be done in your lifetime, but it will be done in your lifeline. Ah, man, I can't wait for that day. When, when, when the Goldies of the day and Omar's family and all these younger kids that are running around, they're going to be leading us. And long after we're gone, this church is going to continue because this is not just about us. And even this offering we just gave in, this isn't about just who's already here. This is about who is coming. This is about legacy. This is about the future. I'm thankful. And, so, and then he says, and his name's going to be John. That just, John just means grace. That means God, whatever God wants to do in your life is going to be full of his grace. And then he says he's going to be a joy and a delight to many. 
Wow. Doesn't say everyone. It says many. Because not everyone's going to love it when you start to walk in the things that God promises you. When you start to take hold of the things that God has promised you, the people in your life who look at you and think, oh, you're too old for that. You're too young for that. You're too white for that. You're too black for that. You're too Hispanic for that. You don't speak the right language. You don't come from the right place. You weren't born in the right area. You don't have the right background. You don't have the right education. And so when you start to walk into things that are works of grace, many will be happy, but not everyone will be happy. And make sure that you are not among those who are unhappy. When God comes and he speaks to Zechariah and not you. The Bible says that the reason Zechariah was where he was that day is because they cast lots. That's where we get the word lottery. It was random. I don't know how they did it. Maybe they drew straws or stuck their names in a hat and pulled them out of a hat. And Zechariah's got pulled out of a hat. And it seemed random to them, but it was not random. Nothing about your life is random. Nothing about your life is chance. So he's there that day. And can you imagine maybe you're, maybe you're one of the people who like, man, I really wanted to be the incense burner that day. And that day that you wanted to be the incense burner is the day the angel of the Lord shows up. And everybody's standing outside of the temple waiting for you to come out. And they're like, well, it's great. Encounter with God's happening in there. That's wonderful. He walks out and he can't even speak. He's so blown away by the move of God. They're like, wow, that's great. Could have been me. And so sometimes if we're not careful, we'll see Zechariah and Elizabeth getting everything that God promised them. And we'll be on the outside looking in wondering, you know, if I would have had that opportunity, if, I, if that would have been me, if I had their influence or if I had their money, if I would have gotten the promotion instead of them. or if, Oh, man. And how many times do we shut down what God wants to do in our lives because we can't keep our mouth over what, off of what God is doing in somebody else's life? See, the only thing that really can disrupt what God wants to do in your life is your mouth. They can't. Your enemies can't. The only power your enemies' words have over your life is the power you give them. Just like, just like, when, a, just like when a snake bites someone, a snake bites someone, it's not the bite that kills. It's the poison that's left in their body long after the snake has taken its mouth off of them. And for a lot of people in this room and maybe watching online today, you're not suffering because of the bite. You're suffering because you refuse to let the gospel deal with the poison of what's on the inside. And you need the antivenom. What the antivenom does for the snake bite is the antivenom keeps the venom or the poison from bonding to the tissue, from binding to the tissue until it causes nerve damage and blood issues, eventually taking that person's life or causing severe trauma. And you have the gospel. So, so what the gospel does for you is when somebody hurts you or somebody talks bad about you, you start to realize all my enemies can do is promote me anyway. 
They can't keep me from what God wants to do in my life. They can't stop what God wants to do in my life. Nobody who didn't speak me into existence can speak me out of existence. So I'm not worried about your words. I'm not worried about what you said. I'm not worried about how you feel about me. I'm not going to let that poison get in and keep me from everything that God has for my life. I'm going to receive the gospel today. You know what the gospel starts to do for people? The gospel starts to take, when people start to hurt you, instead of wanting to get back at them, now you just love them more. The apostle Paul said, even though you're going to take advantage of me, I can't help but continue to love you and keep loving you. He said, I'll spend the rest of my life loving you. So keep hurting me because all you do when you hurt me is elevate me. I'm telling you today, don't let the poison distract you from what God is wanting to do. Don't allow it to get into your life and bind to you and make you think that what they said is who you are. It is not who you are. So the Bible says, Elizabeth and Zechariah get this powerful word, and they're not sure what to do with it. They're not sure how to take it. They're not sure how it's going to happen, and Zechariah is shut up. So the Bible tells us that there comes a time where Zechariah finishes his service in Luke chapter 1, verses 23 and 24. It says his time of service completed and he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. He went home and he put that word into practice. That's what he did. And I just want you to understand then nothing that happens in here matters if you don't take it home. It's of no value to you if you don't take it home. It won't produce anything in your life until you take it home. It won't make any difference in your, in your business or on, in your family or, or, or on your job if you don't take it with you. You have to take it home. You can lay in the altar for three hours and an angel talk directly to you, but it make no difference in your life until you take it home. Somebody in the room needs to commit today. I'm not going to leave. I'm not, I'm not going to leave that word in that altar. I'm not going to leave that word in that seat. I'm not going to leave that word on my iPad. I'm not going to leave that word in my notes, but I'm going to put that word into practice. Come on. It's the willing and the obedient that eat the good of the land. And then he says, you're to call him John. Wow. Whatever God is getting ready to do in your life, he has already named. Isaiah 65 and 24 says, before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. Luke 1, 59 tells us what happens when he's born and they're getting ready to name him. It tells us that they wanted to name him after the father, Zechariah, but the mother spoke up and said, no, his name's going to be John. And then they turned to Zechariah and they're like, what do you think? Get that man a notepad. He's still muted. <laughs> so he writes on a piece of paper, his name will be John. And immediately his mouth is open. He begins to speak and he's begins to praise God. And I love this because what this means for us is that what God wants to do for us isn't like anything that we've seen before. And I want to challenge you today. No matter what you're going through, don't name it what tradition tells you you should name it. 
don't name it what your family history tells you you should name it. You're a curse breaker. You're a legacy creator. God is doing new things in your life. And I, I know you're in this room and it's like, nobody in my family's ever started a business before, but you will. You're John. Nobody in my family's ever served God before, but you will. You're John. You are called to do something new. And listen to me. Listen to me. You only want what God has for you. you know, oh, if I would have just been Mary. Oh, you couldn't have raised Jesus just to watch him down across at 30 three years of age, that grace was on her life. Oh, if I was just Elizabeth and had me a John the Baptist, oh, you want to raise that weirdo out in the wilderness <laughs> eating locusts and honey? No, there was a grace on her life to raise that baby. What God wants to do for you is for you, and there is a grace on your life to grow it and to lead it, to nurture it. Amen, amen. I want to pray for you today. I believe God's going to take this word and do something special in your life. But if you're in this room today, every head bowed, every eye closed, and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, or maybe you're here today and you've been away from God, and you want to draw near to Jesus today, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to God in this room today. If that's you and you say, man, Rob, I've not given my life to Jesus, or I, I want to come back to the Lord today, I want to pray with you. And I'm going to count to three. What I want you to do is throw your hand up in the air. We're going to pray a prayer with you. If that's you, and you say, that's, that's me today, Robbie. I need to give my life to Jesus. One, two, three. Throw your hand up in the air where you see. I see you. I see you. I see anybody else. I see you back there. Anyone else? I see you. I see you two over here. Amen. I see you all back there. Come on, let's pray this prayer together with those that have lifted their hands. Let's say this. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me, that you gave your life for me. I give you mine. Take it all. Have your way. Use me for your glory. I repent of my sins. I confess you as Lord. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.